Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. A special welcome to any visitors and guests uh, who have joined us today, including via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and may God be praised by our worship. Consistory has a number of announcements. Uh, attestations have been requested by Brother and Sister Fred and Cathy Dawn to the Church of Cardock Brook, Brother Eric Wilcox to the Church of Darling Downs, and Sister Tamara Alberts to the Church of Armadale. We wish them the Lord's blessings in their new congregations. Consistory will meet as elders only, the Lord willing, tomorrow evening at 7.30pm. A congregational meeting will be held on the 12th of February in this building commencing at 7.30pm with the Sepple Grove Steering Committee and Consistory presenting. Next week Sunday we will celebrate the Lord's Supper in the morning service. This morning we welcome to our pulpit Reverend Wes Breedenhoff, Minister of our sister church in Launceston. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together hymn 50 verse 4. sisters. It's good that we can be here to worship the Lord. If you're able to, please stand. We confess from Psalm 124 that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now receive the greeting and blessing of our God, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's respond to that greeting with Psalm 96, stanzas 1 through 4.
Every Sunday we listen to the Ten Commandments in our morning service. And we do want to do that in a meaningful way. We don't want to do that robotically because after all this is God's word that we're dealing with. And there's two things that can help us to avoid doing that in a robotic fashion. There's something I can do and then there's something you can do. And the thing that you can do is follow along with me in your Bible or maybe turn to the back of the Book of Praise where you find the Ten Commandments and the Hatterberg Catechism. Follow along and be looking at the words as we're going through it. And the thing that I can do is to read it slowly, to pause after every commandment, give you an opportunity to reflect on what you're hearing. The whole idea of reading the Ten Commandments is that we would examine our lives by this holy standard and recognize that we're all sinners and that we all need God's grace, we all need his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna read the Ten Commandments as we have them in Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's.
I'll now lead you in prayer. Eternal Father in heaven, our faithful God, we're glad and grateful that again we can be here in your presence. We know that as we meet with you, we will be blessed and we will be encouraged. And we don't approach you casually or glibly, for we know you are the holy God who dwells in unapproachable light. And yet we do come with confidence because you are also our Father, and we have the promise of your love. Oh, Father, we confess what we have often done with your love. We know that in ourselves we are rebels and sinners. In what remains of our old natures, we love the darkness. And hearing your law has again reminded us of that fact. We feel convicted of our sins before your holiness. And we want to openly acknowledge to you our waywardness. You shower us with your fatherly love day after day. But we constantly sin against you and against other people around us. We have sinned in thought, word, and deed. We have sinned in the evil we have done and in the good we have not done. We have sinned through ignorance, through weakness, and through our own deliberate fault. Father, we are truly sorry. We repent of all our sins. And because of what Jesus Christ has done for us in his life and death, we ask you to please forgive all our wrongdoing. We pray again for the grace of your Holy Spirit so that we may serve you in newness of life. Help us with your word and spirit so that we live to the glory of your name more and more each day. And so we pray for your blessing this morning as we give attention to the reading and preaching of your holy word. Please give us ears to hear your word in faith. Open our hearts to hear your word again. And please give the messenger strength so your word is proclaimed faithfully to us. We bring our prayer before you through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please take your Bible and turn with me to Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 11. Listen to God's holy and infallible word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. 
Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the word of the Lord. May he bless it for all of us here this morning. Let's now sing together Psalm 80, stanzas 1, 3, and 4. And during the sermon, I'll explain why we've sung this psalm. But you may notice some connections between the theme of the sermon, to bear maximum fruit, abide in the vine, and this psalm. We'll come back to that. So now let's sing Psalm 80, 1, 3, and 4. passage our Lord Jesus is speaking and he says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away 
And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Beloved Congregation of Christ, what is it that defines a Christian? Some would say it's going to church. If you go to church, you're a Christian. But as someone once pointed out, standing in the garage doesn't mean you're a car, and being in church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Christians do go to church, but not everyone who goes to church is a Christian. Our Bible passage from John this morning tells us one important feature of a Christian. A Christian is someone truly united to Jesus Christ. There is a vital spiritual unity between Christ and Christians. And that's the whole point behind this picture of the vine and the branches. Just like the vine and the branches are one, so also Jesus and believers are one. And what creates this organic unity is faith, worked by the Holy Spirit. Through resting and trusting in Jesus Christ as the only Savior, we are joined to him spiritually. Faith is what binds us to the vine. In other words, you can't be a Christian without a personal relationship with Jesus through genuine faith. And if you are such a Christian, your priorities in life reflect it. Jesus speaks in our passage about bearing fruit to the glory of God. If you have a personal relationship with Christ through faith, you care about that. You want to bear fruit. You want to see God worshipped and praised more and more. But how do you do that? Well, Jesus tells you in this passage from John 15, abide in the vine. So that's the theme of the sermon this morning. To bear maximum fruit, abide in the vine. And we'll consider what Jesus says about the vine dresser, the vine, and the branches. Well, Christ says in verse 1 that his father is the vine dresser. And what is a vine dresser? Well, that's the person who takes care of the vines in a vineyard. He wants to see the vineyard be as productive as possible. The vine dresser is all about the grapes, about the fruit. When harvest time comes, he wants to see maximum fruit. And Christ says his father is like the vine dresser in a vineyard. Jesus is the son of God, and he's referring to his heavenly father. And the idea of a divine vine dresser comes from the Old Testament. We just sang from Psalm 80, 
And there we find God referred to in that way. According to Jesus, the vine dresser does two things to bring about maximum fruit in his vineyard. There can be branches that don't bear fruit. They're somehow near the vine, but they're not truly connected to it. So the vine dresser takes them away, according to verse 2. According to verse 6, such branches are thrown away, they wither, they're gathered into bundles and then thrown into the fire and burned. Our Lord Jesus is speaking here about the judgment of God on unbelief. But it's specifically the unbeliever who has had some contact with Christ, some contact with the gospel. Now, in the context of this book of the Bible, John's gospel, you can't help but think of Judas Iscariot. He was one of the 12 disciples making up Christ's inner circle. Judas, he traveled around with Jesus. He listened to him for three years. And yet, he bore no fruit. And he actually ended up betraying Jesus. He was going to be cast into the fire. He had been close to Jesus, but he had no union with him through faith. And his example is a warning to us. You can be close to Jesus. You can be close to Jesus in the sense that you go to church and you hear the preaching of his name. You can be close to Jesus in the sense that you've been under gospel ministry like Judas Iscariot was. You can be close to Jesus in the sense that you've been baptized or even made profession of faith. But if you bear no fruit, so if you're not united to Christ by faith, you remain under God's judgment and condemnation. The vine dresser will not have branches that don't bear fruit in his vineyard. They take up time, they take up space. And these fruitless dead branches will be burned in the eternal fire. But with the branches that do bear fruit, he prunes them so that they bear even more fruit. Vines and fruit trees bear even more fruit when people prune them, you know, clipping off some of the branches without buds. And that ensures the maximum amount of nutrition goes to the branches that will be producing fruit. The point of this image is that the father, as the vine dresser, he is at work in the lives of Christians to prune them. Now, pruning involves cutting, and cutting can be painful. And sometimes the way the father prunes us is painful to us. Hebrews 12 speaks of the same thing, that passage we read. But Hebrews 12 describes it as a father disciplining his children. Like pruning, discipline is painful. But it has a good end. And it's motivated by love. At least it should be. And the author of Hebrews says that our Father disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Well, that's what Jesus is saying here in John 15 as well. We get pruned by the Father so that we'll bear more fruit for Him. And loved ones, this teaches us that our suffering is never pointless. We may not be able to see the point, and we may never see the point, as long as we live here on this earth, but God does. And sometimes the point is pruning. God wants us to go through whatever we're going through, so we'll learn some lesson or another, and at the end of it, we'll be more fruitful Christians. Now, that could look all kinds of different ways. But here's just one way. Imagine 
you fell on hard times financially. During those hard times, God was pruning you, bringing you to your knees in prayer. And in due time, things turned around. Maybe someone was generous and helped you out unexpectedly. It was an answer to prayer. And now you've gone from adversity to prosperity. God pruned you with the intent that you would be more fruitful. And so now you look to the ways you can help others who are struggling. You'd never have done that before because it never crossed your mind and you never thought about those who are struggling. But having been through it now yourself, you know how hard it can be. And out of love, you want to help as many people as you can. That's just one way that you could imagine this pruning taking place. Whatever form it takes, it's always out of love. And it's always for our good. And it's always for his glory. That's the vine dresser. Now let's look at the vine. Jesus said in verse 1, I am the true vine. And we shouldn't skim over that. It's a weighty statement. And it's a weighty statement because of the Old Testament background. Just like God is referred to as the vine dresser in the Old Testament, the people of Israel are referred to as the vine. And again, you can see an example of that in what we sang from Psalm 80. So now... When Christ says that he is the true vine, he's saying something about the people of Israel. They weren't able to be the vine God wanted them to be. They didn't produce fruit. But Jesus is the true vine. He is the fulfillment of everything Israel was supposed to be. Jesus is the true Jew. And as such, he in himself is fruitful. And you can see that in verses 9 and 10. Please look with me there. Notice how Jesus says two important things he has done. First, in verse 9, he has loved his disciples. And he's about to prove that love by going to the cross for them to pay for their sins. And second, in verse 10, he speaks of how he has kept his father's commandments. That's in the second part of the verse. Just as I have kept my father's commandments. That's referring to Christ's obedience to the law of God. We call that his active obedience. He obeyed the law in our place. In ourselves, we're failed law keepers. But when we're in Christ, God sees people who have perfectly kept the law. So he doesn't see a branch all by itself, but he sees the branch connected to the obedient vine. Not only that, but when we're connected to the vine, he is the ultimate source of our fruitfulness. Notice what he says in verse 4. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. And then at the end of verse 5, he drives home the point even more strongly. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And by that, he means we can do nothing good. We can do nothing fruitful to the glory of God. We need the vine. We need Jesus in order to be fruitful at all let alone to bear maximum fruit. And why is this? Well, it's because if we're left to ourselves, we're sinners. We have hearts that are constantly inclined to rebel against God and His goodwill for our lives. Scripture says that when we haven't been born again, we're dead in sins and trespasses. The reality is, is that without Jesus and a vital faith connection to him, we're just dead branches that can't possibly bear any fruit. But 
Having been born again by the Holy Spirit, having received the gift of faith in Jesus Christ, we're then connected to him, plugged into him, so to speak. And now things are radically different. Before, it was apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, it's in me, you can do something. You can go and bear fruit for the glory of God. Our union with Christ through faith changes everything. We live because he lives. We bear fruit because he bears fruit. And the way for the branches to bear maximum fruit is to abide in the vine. What does that mean exactly? Well, I appreciate what Sinclair Ferguson says about that. He writes that to abide in Christ in John 15 means, quote, to live with a sense that the Son of God loves us and gave himself for us, that he dwells within us by his Holy Spirit, and that we know that our life is now his and no longer our own. That's so well said. I love Sinclair Ferguson. He's got such a way with words. Abiding in the vine basically means living with a constant awareness that he is the vine and we are the branches. It's always to live with our union with Christ foremost in our minds. It's to let that define who we are and how we live. I'd venture to say that many of us aren't used to thinking like this. In my pastoral experience, I've had occasions where I've had people sitting in front of me with this problem or that problem. Oftentimes, it's some kind of issue related to difficult relationships. And in some instances, I'd ask, what difference does it make that you're united to Christ in this situation? And you know what? Every time I've asked that question, I've gotten a blank stare back. And so I explain further how Christ is the vine and we're the branches and so on. I might even read from John 15. And they get the concept. But usually they admit they've never thought about union with Christ. And they've never thought about how union with Christ might matter in their lives. They've never really thought about these things. But Jesus says here in John 15 that we're to abide in him. Which means we have to be thinking regularly and often about our vital spiritual connection to him and the difference it makes for our lives. Because doing this is the only way forward to bearing as much fruit as we can for the glory of God. There's a necessary connection here to keeping Christ's commandments. No one can be a Christian and not care about how Jesus teaches us to live. Take the Sermon on the Mount, for example. You can find it in Matthew 5 through to Matthew 7. The Sermon on the Mount is the most famous collection of the commandments of Jesus. You know, you cannot say that you are a Christian and then ignore the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in that sermon that it's not enough to not murder. You're also not to be angry and hateful. Jesus says it's not enough to not commit adultery. You're also not to even look at someone with lust in your heart. The whole idea of you can look, but you can't touch. Jesus says, that's not my will. Jesus says we're to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We're to be honest and let our yes be yes and our no be no. And so on. Well, Christians care about these teachings. And they aim to follow them. Jesus says that's how we abide in his love. Now, he doesn't mean to say that we're going to earn his love by keeping his commandments. 
This isn't talking about works righteousness. Rather, it's that we'll be showing how we're aware of his love and we're aware of our union with him. Abiding in the vine leads us to bear the maximum fruit of obedience to the commands of Christ. Because if Christ was obedient, those united to him should also be obedient. And there are three outcomes that Christ mentions in relation to our bearing much fruit in this way. And the first is prayer. This is in verse 7. Please look there with me. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now context is crucial here. You have to read the second part of the verse in the light of the first part. Jesus says, if you abide in me. In other words, if you're aware of your union with Christ and you've been paying attention to all his teaching, you won't be praying for things that are outside of his will. Instead, here in this context, you will be praying to bear much fruit. And it will be done for you. If you're conscientious about your union with Christ, and you pray, you pray for more obedience to his word, it will be done for you. That's a prayer which pleases God, and he will answer it. I may not answer it right away, instantaneously. It may be answered over a period of some time, but he will answer it. You can trust him on that. So the first outcome has to do with prayer. The second outcome has to do with discipleship. As we bear much fruit, we show that we are disciples of Christ. He's our master, and we are his followers. You know, we're not just listening to his teaching. We're doing it. We're doing it like he did it. Disciples aim to imitate their master. And that's what we're called to do with Jesus. And as we do that, people around us will see we're disciples of Christ. And that glorifies the Father. That leads other people to make much of him, especially as others are also drawn to Christ, but also from those who are already disciples of Christ. You know, when I see you bearing much fruit as a disciple of Christ, I say, praise God, that's beautiful. God is glorified through your life as a fruitful follower of Jesus. And the last outcome mentioned by Christ is joy. This is in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Look at that. Christ wants his disciples to have his joy and have it to the max. Well, what is it that gives Christ joy? Well, to answer that, we could turn to one of the Messianic Psalms. Psalm 40. Hebrews 10 tells us that that psalm is speaking of Jesus. So when we hear these words, we hear Jesus. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Christ's joy, his delight, was to do God's will. He wants his joy to be in us to the max. He wants us to know the joy and delight of pleasing God with our obedience to his will. Loved ones, the world tries to sell us a false joy. The world tries to tell us that if we ignore God and do what we want to do, that will give us joy. And it's true there may be some kind of joy for a time. But eventually, 
it comes back to bite you hard. What you thought was joy ends up being a nightmare, whether in this life or in the next. But Jesus promises that there's true joy in our union with him. A union that bears fruit to the glory of God. And this is because when we're seeking to live in God's ways, we're living in ways that were designed for our flourishing. We're living in ways that are for our good and according to God's original design. And when you move away from that, you move away from real joy. You do. And Christ doesn't want that for you. His purpose and what he teaches in John 15 is to move you towards real joy in life. And it comes through abiding in him. Being mindful of our union with him. Bearing much fruit then to the glory of God. Loved ones, this is one of the most important sections of the Bible to understand what it means to be a Christian. If you understand these verses, you'll know that just saying you're a Christian isn't enough to be one. If you understand these verses, you'll know the great need for you to be grafted into Christ through faith in Him. If you understand these verses, you'll know that you're grafted into Him in order to go and bear fruit for Him in your life. Do you understand? And by God's grace, live like it. Amen. All right, let's sing together hymn 76.
couple of matters that I'll mention in prayer. First of all, our sister Christina Verbrucka had a fall this past week and fractured a couple of vertebrae. However, she is healing at home. We'll pray for God's continued mercy towards her. Also, we'll pray for the ward Bible studies, which are starting today and continuing throughout the, the coming week. Let's call on God's name together. Our Lord Jesus Christ, you are the true vine, and we are the branches. Please help us with your Holy Spirit to bear maximum fruit to the glory of the Father. We thank you for your life given for us and your life in us. We thank you for your obedience in our place. Help us all to rest and trust in what you have done for us in your perfect life and in your great sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we want to live in union with you, abiding in you each day. We want to have your joy in us that our joy may be full. We want to experience your joy in an obedient and fruitful life. Let us do that, we pray, in the power of your Holy Spirit. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you. We need your Spirit. And as we're pruned by the Father, we ask for help in seeing this as a loving and good thing for us. Please give all of us strength, both in adversity and prosperity, so we would not ever lose hope. Lord God, we bring the needs of our congregation before you. We bring especially the needs of our elderly members. We pray that you would especially be with our sister Christina Verbrucka who suffered a bad fall, fractured some vertebrae. We pray, Father, that you would be with her now as she heals at home. We pray that you would help her to continue relying on you each day. Would you please show your mercy and favor to her as she heals? We also pray to you for our Bible studies, which are starting today, carrying on through the week. We ask, Father, that you would be with us as we meet together around your word. We pray that you would help us to encourage one another in our knowledge of your word and also in how we live what your word tells us. We pray that all of us would be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. We ask that you would richly bless us in our Bible studies. We ask, Father, that you would continue to bless us, too, on this day of rest and worship. We pray that you would bring us back here again this afternoon so that we can continue to taste and see that you are good. Please hear our prayer through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You now have an opportunity to worship God with your offerings. And after that, let's sing together as our concluding song for this morning, hymn 44.
Now receive God's blessing and go in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>